بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وصلاۃ وسلام علی شرف الانبیاء والمرسلین محمد رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وآلہ وسلم تسلیم کثیر کثیر فما بعد ما بردن سسٹرز اللہ سبحانہ وتعالی سورۃ الحجرات اللہ سبحانہ وتعالی سید یا ایھا الذین آمنوا لا تقدموا بین یدی اللہ ورسوله واتقوا الله ان الله سميع عليم یا ایھا الذین آمنوا لا ترفعوا اصواتكم فوق صوت النبي ولا تجهروا له بالقول كجهر بعدكم لبعد ان تحبط اعمالكم وانتم لا تشعرون Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said which means O oh, you who believe do not go ahead of do not step ahead of do not put your qadam your your feet meaning don't don't uh, walk ahead of uh, Allah and His Rasul and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who samiyun uh, alim who hears and who knows and then Allah again repeat Uh, again said which as we know is the address of hukum of order and Allah said do not raise your voices over the voice of the Prophet and do not speak to him like you speak to each other meaning in the same way right joking and uh, like you speak to a person who is your friend who is your who is equal to you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Uh, <clears throat> if you do that antahbata amalukum antahbata amalukum wa antum la tashurun allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will wipe out your good deeds and you will not even know my brothers and sisters i remind you and myself that the position of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is very very special rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is human in the context of his um, his his being meaning that he is not an angel he is not a malak he is not a jinn he is not some other uh, life form he is a human being just like you and i are human beings and allah subhanahu wa taala mentioned this in, in the quran in several places he told nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam to say it qul ana basharum mithlukum very clearly say i am a human like you so it's not even a human uh, as in a different kind of human form no i am a human like you you are a human i am human but that is where the similarity ends and this is something that we need to understand and be very clear about and the way to understand that is that just like a king of a country is a human being and he is also a citizen of that country he belongs to that country if he has a passport then he carries a passport of the same country but that is where the similarity ends if any ordinary person thinks that he is equal to the king because he is from the same country then he is fooling himself now ta'ala allahu al-amsal wa ta'ala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala al-amsal rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are above all examples they you, we cannot compare the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to any king because he is the messenger the prophet of allah there is no kingship that comes even close to the um, level of a nabi of a rasul 
and obviously nothing comes close even or is even comparable to the position of the Imamul Anbiya, the Sayyidul Mursaleen and the Khatam al-Nabiyyin, the Imam of the, of the Prophets, the Sayyid and the leader of the Rasuls and the Prophets and the last and final of them after whom there is no Rasul and there is no Nabi, there is no Prophet and there is no Messenger. Nothing comes close to him and we don't compare to him. And this is what the ayat of the Quran says. Allah says, don't even step in front of him. Don't walk ahead of him. And he says, Allah said, do not raise your voice over his voice. And Allah said, don't speak to him like you speak to each other. This is clearly to understand and to reiterate for us that his position is very different. And that he is, that the way we should behave with him and in front of him. Allah is teaching us the protocol of the court of Rasulullah this is how you will you will be with him you will walk behind him you will keep your voices soft you will you will you will not raise your voice above his voice and you will not speak to him the way you speak to each other you won't say hi bye whatever no now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not stop with that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said if you do this meaning you are being warned you are being warned and if you do not heed the warning then tahbata an tahbata amalukum wa antum la tashurun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will wipe out your deeds and you will not even know. Meaning what? Meaning that you may have lived your life like a person of Jannah, but when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will have no deeds and you will be a person of Jahannam. You will be thrown into the hellfire because you are your your whole life has been wasted and your whole life's deeds have been nullified. Now, why? Because you raised your voice over the voice of the Prophet Because you stepped ahead of the Prophet Because you treated him without the respect and honor, the, the, the reverence that is due to him. You did not give him that and you treated him like you treat anybody else. We are not talking here about mistreating. We are not talking about abusing. We are not talking about, uh, you know, any of that. We are saying just normal talk, normal, normally talking to him the way you talk to each other. And I, I'm, I don't want to demonstrate all these things. I think they are, these are perfectly clear. Even for demonstration, I do not want to do something which would be against the <coughs> adab that is due to Rasulullah And that's why I just think about this. Somebody like Sayyidah Aisha Siddiqa who was his most beloved of his wives, right? How did she call him? She called him Ya Rasulullah. How did Abu Bakr Siddiqa address him? He said Ya Rasulullah. His closest friend, who was younger than he was, who he helped from day one, and he knew how much Muhammad loved him. None of them, no, none of the Sahaba, including the wives of Rasulullah our mothers, none of them called him by name. <coughs> they used to say, Ya Rasulullah. In our culture, in India at least, uh, we had this thing where if somebody had any subordinate, uh, had uh, his name, if, if his name was Muhammad, and Muhammad is the most common name in the world, so there are many of them, uh, or if we named any of our children Muhammad, we always had another name by which we called them. We did not call them Muhammad, right? We called them by some other name. I had a butler called Muhammad, Muhammad Khan, and I, when, the, when I hired him, uh, I said to him, I am going to call you Mahmud. And he knew why. He didn't ask me, why are you calling Mahmud? I said, I am going to call you Mahmud, is that okay? He said, yes. 
And I called him Mahmood all his life. Now, my point is, out of adab, out of adab. Now, the reason I'm saying this is, now you might say, well, all of this is fine, but how does it apply to me today? I'm sitting here in the 21st century, 2022. I'm sitting here in America, in France, in India, in wherever. It applies to us in the sense that even though today physically we are not in the presence of, of Rasulullah so we can't step ahead of him, walk ahead of him, uh, we can't physically raise our voice over his voice. But in our context, this applied also to the Sahaba obviously, but they didn't do these things. But I'm saying that in our context, to raise your voice over the voice of the Prophet means that if, if Rasulullah said something, and we take the same thing and we treat it with disdain. We treat it as something unimportant. Uh, if we say that, oh, he said that, yeah, but you know, today's times are different. This would amount to raising our voice over the voice of the Prophet Now, one of the, uh, two of the things that most people talk very disdainfully about. One is the beard for the men. And second one also is... <clears throat> to raise the lower garment, the izar, above the ankle. So people say, oh, yeah, no, it's okay, you know, we are not talking about such things, eh? raising the raising the trouser uh, or beard. Please think, think about this. Let me explain to you the process and the principle. If you do not raise your uh, trouser above your ankle um, and you don't want to do that for whatever reason, this is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Shut your mouth. Don't bring that into your conversation. Because Rasulullah said, the one who does that deliberately, his ankles will be in the fire. Now, those who think that these are matters of furu'i matter, matters of fiqh, meaning they are tertiary matters of fiqh, they are not important. Let me explain to you, let me tell you about two people who knew a lot more fiqh, the fiqh than you do. One is Imam Malik, Imam Malik bin Anas, the uh, author of Muwatta uh, al-Imam Malik, which is a book of hadith, which is so beautiful and so authentic that Imam Bukhari took the entire Muwatta into Bukhari. Imam Malik was a mufti. He never called himself that. That's our modern uh, trend. We, we, we call ourselves all sorts of things. Imam Malik was a mufti, was a scholar of fiqh of the level where during his time, the people of the world, the scholars of the world, refused to give fatwa. They used to say, how can I give a fatwa when Malik is in, in Medina? He was also the imam and khatib of, of Masjid al-Nabi al-Sharif. So people used to, the big scholars of the world used to say, how can I give a fatwa when Malik is in Medina? Now this Imam Malik, what did he used to do? He used to give dars, he used to teach hadith. And before he gave dars of hadith, he would take, make ghusl, not because he needed ghusl, but as a matter of adab, as a matter of purification. He would make ghusl, he would make two rakat of salah, he would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and he would come and then he would sit and give dars of hadith. Imam Malik once was doing that and people, while he was teaching, people suddenly saw his face lost all color. He completely like he was bloodless. He looked like he was in severe pain, but he did not stop his dars. He continued to give the dars of hadith. When the dars finished, he collapsed and when they rushed to him and they uh, looked to see what it was, there had a scorpion had crawled up the back of his uh, of his shirt and 
had had stung him 32 times they they counted 32 bites 32 times imam malik was in severe pain but despite the severe pain he did not give stop the dars of hadith because he said this is the word of rasulullah sallallahu now the point to understand is for my fiqh loving brothers and sisters is it necessary to have a ghusl and make wudu and read two rakat of salah uh, before you read a hadith? I mean, what does your fiqh tell you? Is it, is it uh, in, even if you are in salah, forget about, about giving dars of hadith, even if you are in salah, if uh, you are bitten by a scorpion, are you permitted, are you not permitted to break your salah and, and take care of that? Why did Mamalik not do this? So are you telling me that you know more fiqh than Mamalik Rahmatullah? No, seriously, think about this and say, what kind of uh, what kind of logic is this? That's why I say, knowledge that takes you away, knowledge that makes you do less, knowledge that uh, makes you do less adab, is knowledge from shaitan. This is not from uh, knowledge from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It is not fiqh. This is from shaitan. So take care of this and don't 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 fool yourself. Second thing, second incident, talking about the uh, length of the trouser. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab another great mufti, Khalifatul Muslimin, Amirul Mu'mineen. He has been stabbed, the, the, uh, his, his uh, assassin, he literally ripped open his, his belly. They said that when, you, if, when he, in that state, if they tried to give him some water, the water would flow out of his belly. He is lying on the floor because he told his son, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar to put him on the floor and said, put my, my head in the dust so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have mercy on me. He is lying there and he is, you know, people are coming to see him. One young man came from Medina, one of the Ansar uh, young men. He came and his trouser was long. It was dragging on the ground. As he was leaving, Sayyidina Umar suddenly saw that. He called him back. He said, raise your izar above your ankle. It is good for your taqwa and it is good for your trouser. Now tell me something, here is a man who is dying, he is bleeding to death, he is dying. And, the, and the, among, among his last words is to tell somebody to raise the length of his trousers. Do you, is it important? Is it not important? Right? So all my great, uh, you know, fiqh-loving brothers and sisters, you treat this with disdain. You say, oh, those things like trousers, like beard. Go read the fiqh. Go read the hadith. These are sahih hadiths. And if you are going to deliberately deny a Sahih Hadith, I hope you know enough fiqh to know what that means. Right? Please have mercy on yourselves. I don't have a barber shop. I'm not telling you to uh, grow a beard and then come to my barber shop to have it have it trimmed. Right? I don't have a tailor shop either to ask you to send your trousers for me to shorten them. Please, as I said, if you don't want to follow a Hadith, this is between you and Allah. But at least keep your mouth shut. Save yourself from the fire. You don't want to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment and all your deeds are wiped out because you spoke disdainfully about a hadith of Rasulullah. Right? Please understand this. I don't even want to talk about those who completely deny all a hadith. I think it is more than enough for me to talk about this, which is people being disdainful about one hadith of Rasulullah or of something. Please recognize your own face in the mirror. This is your nafs talking. This is not your knowledge talking. This is your nafs talking, which is subverting and corrupting your knowledge to try to support what your nafs wants to do. More about this tomorrow, inshallah.